Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Baka Baka Baka. We are an anime podcast where every two weeks we watch an anime, we discuss it here on the podcast, and then turn our conversation over to our audience so that you can continue it, enrich it, enlighten it, uh, fix it. That is the goalpost we have here on this podcast, and we hope you enjoy listening and joining in with us. We are doing a special episode right now. We're in the the midst of our beginning of the new year season where we watched a movie and then uh, my co-hosts pick older anime that aren't more current, aren't more topical. But they we really get to go back and look at the stuff either we missed or really want to have a discussion on because we haven't had a chance to. And we're doing that with Neon Genesis Evangelion tonight. Uh, it's Gellion. Yes. Neon <laughs> Genesis evangelion the first 13 episodes that's all we will be discussing we'll only be covering the first 13 episodes but this will kind of be a general overview of the series but we won't be going into the spoilers of the second half but we wanted to at least dip our toes into it and discuss to do that i need the help of my co-host and first off we have the maternal souls to start off we have the maternal soul to my weapon of mass destruction, Jeremy. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. <laughs> way, way better than I was earlier in the week. Did not feel good. But uh, but yeah, things are back to normal now. And I even managed to like watch The Witcher, the whole thing, <laughs> while I wasn't feeling well, which was pretty cool. Season two, I mean. Saw season one already. Season one was pretty great. Um, yeah, it was it was really good. I, I remembered what you were saying last time, Jason. That's one of the reasons I picked it up and, and went through it. But I wanted more Geralt. You, man, you trolled me so hard. I, I was so <laughs> upset at you for about five minutes. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I was about to say, honey, I need to buy a plane ticket. Yeah, gotta go <laughs> I throttle it. Asked to be. <laughs> yep, I was like, oh man, Witcher's horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was really good, but I definitely would have loved to have seen more Geralt. I hope they do more Geralt in season three. Uh, Troy wanted to see more Dandelion. <laughs> I, he's a great character. I don't know what you're assuming that the guy is cut, man. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking about. The comedic musical character, he's just ripped out of his mind, and I suddenly have self-image issues. Like, wait, Hold on. I, can, I can, I'll never be uh, Henry Cavill. That's fine, but that this guy is cut. What? Come on, that gotta work out. <laughs> All right. We also have the comatose hospital patient of my deepest fantasies, Jason. How are you doing? Didn't realize your fantasies involved comatose hospital patients. Uh, it's a reference to the series we're watching to a place you haven't gotten to yet. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Doing well. Um, I picked up uh, Matrix Resurrection. Um, thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know it didn't get great ratings, and uh, I think that's just for all you <sighs> non-philosophical people. No, um, <laughs> no, 
I I thought the action scenes were not filmed well, and I wish there was more dialogue between Smith and Neo. But besides that, I uh, had a lot of fun with it, and also the Neil Patrick Harris can do no wrong. Good lord, that guy's a good actor. The last episode we recorded, I said I didn't want to talk about it. And then the three of us had an online discussion about it that went exactly how I thought it would. And I had PTSD <laughs> of our last Jedi debates. And and I was just like, I, this, I exactly what I wanted to avoid. And now you've brought it up again. It's fantastic. Great yeah, job. I just for it, you. I thought it was kind of fun. It was like, Jeremy smash! <laughs> Jeremy smash! I hate doing that. <laughs> uh all right, and my name is Troy. I've been watching like a lot of stuff. The new Evangelion movies, the the first two of the rebuild. I, I'm as part of this. I, I started watching those rebuilds with my um, now 16 year old daughter. Oh boy, she turns. She's playing League of Legends. <laughs> no, that's the, the oh, that's the college. Yeah. <laughs> um. Also, uh, so I got ghost of tsushima on playstation 5 uh oh. i have been enjoying it thoroughly i for the i i'm even playing it in sub you know because <laughs> it felt wrong to awesome. have like this japanese <laughs> island full of japanese people all be running around in english and i'm like yeah no i gotta i gotta put it in the natural language i just it felt wrong they also have the um kurosawa mode we talked about kurosawa in our visions episode and you can make it with that black and white grain but the game's so beautiful that almost felt like a disservice to it at the same time. So I turned it back off, even though it looked really cool. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's have, been fun. Have you, have you played Dark Souls and actually, like, did you enjoy it? Did you beat it? I have. Uh, I've played Bloodborne, which is Dark Souls-ish, adjacent. <laughs> uh, I like it, but I can never get very far in it. This is not okay. Dark Souls-ish. So, yeah, I was wondering because I was just, I didn't know how hard it is. I've heard some things no this is this is much actually it gives me witcher vibes mm-hmm. that that's what i get from it open world uh run around do quests side quest um a lot of different combat options as you learn different sword styles um Sweet. get some items yeah it felt very witchery there is a game that look looks very similar uh that is very dark soulsy and i i don't was it sish give the s Se- sekiro Yes. I'm yeah. probably just confusing those things. Yeah, Sekiro. Oh, man, that game is beautiful yeah. and beautifully brutal. Good they Lord. do they mm. do look similar and yeah, that one is a Dark Souls game. This like I said, when I started playing it, it felt I got much more Witcher vibes. But even kind of just that Ubisoft open world kind of thing going on too. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, that's that's I would definitely be interested in something like that then. If it was more Dark Souls, yeah, I don't think I'd last very long. So I mean, I, I've but, installed and uninstalled Dark Souls like six times. Same. I get like <laughs> maybe through the first act and then I'm just, I can't yep. do this. I get so yeah. frustrated. I, I even love like the... bought Bloodborne for the PlayStation and I, and I just, yeah, I took it back. <laughs> I love the concept of it. And I always like, okay, I'm going to do Bloodborne time this time. I'm going to do it. Yep. I get yep. to that first boss and I'm like, I'm, I can't do it. I'm not yeah. going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, it kicks my butt every time. Ugh. All right, um, all right let's, let's go on to talk about the daunting task of this anime, because this is not just one of the biggest anime of all time. It is one of the most deepest philosophical 
animes of all time. So um, definitely biting off more than we can chew. Keep that in mind as we go through this. And also, please don't be upset with us because we stopped at episode 13. So there is a boatload of context we will not be discussing. And also, I just don't have because I've never seen this anime before. Yeah, I'm Uh, kind of in the same boat. We'll probably Jason and I will probably finish it. But for this discussion, it in its context, we will miss a lot. So feel free to correct us or fill Mm -hmm. us in. And while I'm in a different boat, I've seen it so many times and in so many different versions (laughs) (laughs) that it all kind of has blended together in my brain. (laughs) Um, So I'm not like really sure. It was like, was this canon to this series or did he say that in that movie or was this in the OVA or was this an end of Evangelion? Does everyone know about this thing or is that am i implying that so i apologize i understand it's all canon (laughs) that's the only thing that i know (laughs) but in the context of i'm of only what's in these 13 episodes like it's hard for me to i have notes to help but it my memories of this are all blurred together i can't even remember the first time i watched it when i watched certain versions it's all together Mm -hmm. i just know i've watched it a lot of times yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right let's go into non-spoiler review then now that you guys know the context of where we're coming from jeremy this is your pick so you can go first uh so yeah i i really liked it the first time that i saw this uh, i was a teenager and it was on like tsunami or something i think and i think i only got about this far before something happened something distracted me and i like missed an episode or something and you know i didn't want to skip an episode to keep watching so I never got past that point. So we're kind of back at that same spot right now. Now, it's not its not really what I remember. I had these rose-tinted glasses of it being a lot more action-oriented and a lot more just like this is a, an adventure, like almost like a Gundam kind of thing, but with EVAs that are somehow different. And that is not the tone or the the type of story that it seems like they're trying to tell here. There's definitely more action than what I expected based on the things that I'd heard about how it gets a bit more philosophical. And so I did come into it this time thinking, okay, so this is probably not anything like what I was thinking. It's probably going to be really philosophical. It's not quite that crazy in the first 13 episodes. But um, but yeah, it certainly like straddles right there in the in the difference between what I remembered versus what I expected. Um, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I can't think of any moment where I was bored or or wishing that it would, you know, do something more interesting or, or go on, get to the next scene. Uh, there was always something interesting happening. So. All right. Jason, how about you? I thoroughly, jo- thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, I'm in this place that if I had... For a little context, I did go a couple episodes past. We won't talk about that. But <laughs> I'm kind of in this place that if I had stopped or plan on stopping, I'd be kind of upset because there's so much context and loose ends at episode 13. But that out of the way, uh, yeah. the This thing, as like you look at it and you go, yeah, this is a 1995, 99 kind of animation. But it stands the test of time as far as writing, uh, building tension, uh, the characters, 
and even the animation's beautiful. It gave me very much like the budget of Akira. Like it was, th- this is something that you could still watch 10 years from now. So um, yeah, really impressed with the quality, but yeah, uh, re- really had a good time with it. I love the anime of Detroit. It's one of those animes that was formative in my youth growing up. Cause there was, the anime we were getting on Toonami or Adult Swim or whatever it was called at the time, like Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. And so that was the anime I knew. That was all we had, right? <laughs> you got that. And then Evangelion was one of those first that came along that was like, oh, this is a whole nother level. This is anime like I've never seen before. They're not changing into their costumes every episode. They're not powering up for 30 minutes. They are... It didn't hurt that there was a ton of fan service, which I do love that the <laughs> the anime itself is proud of its fan service. Um, that was definitely a, a part of it when I was younger. But yeah, this yeah. is an, and it's it stood the test of time with me. It's also one that when my kids reach a certain adulter age, uh, I'm like, OK, <laughs> you're anime fans. Let's let's watch Evangelion. It, it's that time. Um, and so, like I said, I've watched it multiple times. It's 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 an important one to me. Not that I think it's the bee's knees are the greatest. It just it has that spot in the foundation of anime for me. So I probably cannot be objective on it at this point. <laughs> uh, and to give a little extra context, we had talked about in our last episode, we are going to watch the uh, for our mini so our discussion next week. We're going to actually talk about the final episode of the regular series. Um, and if you've seen it, you know kind of the reason why. So we've all seen that as well and how it kind of goes into the philosophy of everything. That discussion is for next week, and we're just doing the 13. What's really funny about that episode after watching it, I go, I know nothing new about the story I just watched. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, episode 26 does not spoil anything past episode 13. Like, you know, all the characters that are there and like everything they're talking about is very familiar to what's in the first 13 episodes. I found that really strange, but also kind of uh, nice because I do plan on finishing it. So it's like two minutes of content for the mini. So just gone. (laughs) 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 All right. I do want to share uh, a review that we got on Twitter from another anime podcast. They are Baka Talk. Uh, so great name, obviously, to start with. And they're actually, you know, one that we share their their episodes. They share ours. So uh, we're, we're big fans of Baka Talk. And you can find them. Probably the best place to find them is on Twitter at Talk Baka. Uh, they just talk about anime and geek stuff and worth checking out. But they gave us uh, their review of Evangelion and said, Evangelion is a great show, in my opinion. It is a tale on life and how different people deal with mental trauma as well as it shows how the creator was able to use making the show as a form of help with his own depressions and mental trouble he had to deal with at the time but for anime it does fall short for some story elements and character elements but i do enjoy it as a decent mech sci-fi anime that was there so thank you for that um and then let's talk about opening and closing guys uh and uh I'm just I'm watching you carefully. <laughs> You're on eggshells here, guys. Go go ahead. Uh opening was fantastic. Uh that that song is memed to death, by the way. Um but yeah, the, the visuals were great. Uh the music goes along with it well. The ending is uh is okay. 
Yeah, the ending is a thing. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, yeah, I love the intro. Um, I also get a kick out of um, how much fan service is in the intro. <laughs> like, it's just constant, just boom, boom, boom. Which cracks me up because that just fits so well in the 90s. Like, I remember really liking the intro then, too. Um, now, the outro, <laughs> the outro was, um, it had to grow on me. And it's probably because growing up, I heard the original version of that song a lot. And um, and so hearing this version of it was just, um, the accent was so strong and the tune was just a little bit off sometimes with the singing. And so it was a little bit difficult sometimes. But um, I skipped it for dog. quite a Huh? <laughs> little pitchy was dog. That? <laughs> yeah. And, and so I skipped it for a while. And then um, when I came back to it later... Uh, I don't know if like turning the sound up made a difference or something, but it sounded better for some reason. I don't know why, like episodes 10 through 13. So I don't know. It grew on me. Uh, I've said publicly and I think even on this podcast, Tank from Cowboy Bebop is the greatest anime OP of all time. And I do believe that. Cool Angel's thesis is number two. But if someone is like, no, Crew Angel Thesis is number one, I'm like, that's a fair point. Good. <laughs> I'm not, I don't really have an argument. For me, Tank fits Cowboy Bebop's, the feel of it, just the emotional resonance just hits a little bit better between, whereas this is a little more spunky, but it goes into heavy melodrama. And so sometimes it doesn't fully connect to me. Did you see Mother's Basement's like, uh, analysis of the difference between the OP for Netflix versus the OP for the anime. Uh, I probably have at some point, but not recently. The, the amount of detail that goes into the Cowboy Bebop OP, not only did it go right over my head, but there is just so much thought and detail. Yeah, you should. I, rem watch I remember trying to tell you during our Cowboy Bebop episode one year ago. Right? Like, guys, there's so much detail. Like, what the words say matter. <laughs> And we're just like, what? And then, like, he, he was tearing apart the Netflix one because it was just like, yeah, they missed all of that context. Cruel Agency is <laughs> the OP, though. The the amount of info, not in the openings, the, the shots, the, the animations, all all beautiful. Um, just the, hey, physical intimacy is a major important theme of this. <laughs> By, yeah, it's fan service, mm. but it also it's not just fan service. It means something. It's there for a reason. Uh now, when we're talking about outros, uh, Jeremy, I know you're talking about Fly Me to the Moon. Mm -hmm. Jason, are you? Did you hear the song Fly Me to the Moon? Or did mm -hmm. you hear that? Or did you watch it like I did on Netflix where they lost yes. the rights to that song and played just a generic ending song? No, it was just generic. Generic ending song. Uh, that's the worst. Um and, oh. and to to your point, Jeremy, to me, that is the definitive version of Fly Me to the Moon. But I understand that's like if you grow up mm. listening to a cover of a song and thinking that's the version of the song that's correct. And then right. and you listen to the original. and You're like, oh, no, this isn't any good. And you're like, people are like, this is the song. <laughs> this is yeah. who made it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, I get that. But to me, Fly Me to the Moon is part of, of Evangelion. Because they go like. The moon. Kind of like I heard Amish Paradise for so long that I didn't know what Gangster's Paradise was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you listen. Zanera. <laughs> for me, I, I heard Hurt by Johnny Cash before I ever heard Nerd Nails do it. And to me, Johnny Cash is just 
a much superior version. Mm. All right. Let's go on to our spoiler section. But before we do, our next anime, again, another retro pick, this one by Jason. We're going to be watching the first 12 episodes of Trigun. So if, you, if you're if you choosing to, to disembark here because you don't want to go into spoiler section, totally fine. But Trigun is our next anime. Super excited because that's like one of my, I think that's, originally it was my number one. I think it may have been unseated, but oh yeah, that's going to be a blast. No one could have guessed. This, it was between this and Jintama and mm. I decided this one. So. Huh? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Jeremy, no one could have guessed you like Trigun. Yeah, nah. for for those watching the YouTube version, <laughs> <Nah. laughs> I, I just have that poster back there for arbitrary reasons. <laughs> All right, let's go to spoiler section now. So characters, plot, themes, all of it's being revealed. We're not holding anything back for these thirteen episodes. I know a lot more spoilers, and I will do my best not to reveal them, especially since you guys are planning to continue because um, there are so many answers in the future. I think, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Sweet. Or I read about him online and was like, oh, I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's also possible. All right. <clears throat> so we're starting with episode one, and we see a giant creature swimming through the watery depths, but there's a city in it. So this is important because we're in a part of the world where Antarctica has blown up and the ocean's flooded. And now we're on Tokyo 3, <laughs> the third version of Tokyo. Uh, but I think Tokyo 2 might still be standing somewhere else. Yes. It sounded like Tokyo 2 was still a thing. Uh, but anyway, this is an angel um, who are the villains of the series. And I kind of want to touch on that. How do you guys feel about the angels? Our monsters? <sighs> I'm, our I have so many questions and gripes about them as a whole and i think i'll lay them out here but i for context i think it's not fair that i kind of dive too far into them without watching the whole thing because i i have a feeling they're going to be explained but for these first 13 episodes i don't know where they come from i don't know why they're attacking i don't know why they all look vastly different and have vastly different attacks um and they always pop out of nowhere and but one was found in the depths of a volcano. So I have all these theories running through my head, and I understand that they're mostly plot points for moving the story forward. But I didn't like that there was so much information hidden in these first 13 episodes specifically about the angels. But I have a feeling it has to do with the countermeasures for them, but and end up spoiling that but that's just my theory um as far as what they were and their designs and everything they were cool i mean it it felt very um like a monster from mononoke like um i'm kind of in the same boat just in the sense that um this anime really does a lot of those hey we're in this million to one situation and everything has to go just perfect because of how this angel is able to infiltrate or is able to attack in some way or another that they didn't expect, right? And so the angel always takes them just to the brink of of almost complete annihilation in probability, statistical annihilation. And to me, that kind of feels a little bit um, deus ex when you're you're dealing with how they always get out of those situations. And 
and like, oh, yeah, you know, you got that millionth of a percent chance and you hit that every time. And so it does kind of wear a little bit. But, but it's not zero. Uh, <laughs> it's not zero. That's right. It's like it's like that meme where they've got the a gray cat will never or a gray cat will probably not kill you. But the but God damn, it, I'm horrible at memes. Look it up. It's great. Gray cat won't kill you. <laughs> Didn't ruin that joke at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so uh, so, yeah, so I have that minor complaint about the angels. But as far as like, like you said, the design's great. And also, I love that they give you so much to work with, like the idea of what these terror fields are terror fields absolute terror field that is absolute such a weird way terror fields oh yeah I like that. that's your shield like that, that is so weird um and uh and and where they're coming from and and how they manifest and like they run the gamut from being comprised of nanobots evolving nanobots versus like an orbital satellite bomber that like comes down and slams itself into the planet and then go like it's just such weird things and and that's really cool because it it keeps your mind going you're constantly trying to figure out what's the pattern what links these things together how can this possibly make sense and um as long as they actually give you a good explanation for that by the end i would say that's really in their favor The thing I'll add about them, because obviously I know a lot more about them, um, besides that, I just love how creative the designs are. The designs are like, hey, take some LSD and then imagine the craziest thing you could possible, and that'll be our monster. Um, yeah. Having grown up in uh, a religious family, I remember watching this for the first time and like, hey, the angels are the villains and being like, oh, my parents are going to kill me and I'm going to episode two. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, and and there's that little tingle in the back of my head just that, that kind of thing where childhood stuff just doesn't fully go away or even now when i watch it i'm like angels are the bad guys i'm being naughty <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so i guess for me i just enjoy the the angels um yeah well there's a lot of like christian tones in it and themes yeah and it, and themes it's very interesting like the the cross that they wear as part of i think nerve um it's it's like a plus but it it i don't know it really screams cross to me and then you also have like the names of the three magi mm -hmm. machines there's like the three wise men like that's really cool and i don't know how much else there is but those are the ones that i caught well and in the op there's like the tree of life so it's not just christian mm -hmm. but there's there's lots of definitely religious iconography yeah I, I don't, I don't think there's any in here, but I know like stigmata show up a lot. Um, yeah, just so so much religious iconography. One call out cool. that really so like whenever we watch an older anime, I always get like this like oh it's gonna be an older anime. <laughs> um, when they fire what looks like an ICBM at this thing, and he puts his arm out and catches yes. it, but then it kind of rips apart down his arm and then explodes um the gorgeous animation i was just like wow that this was how many years ago and we we watch animation today that makes us cringe so um yeah, yeah. kudos all right uh moving on we start with our main character who sees the military starting to battle this angel um and this main character is shinji ikari 
uh, and uh, your guys' thoughts on oh. Shinji Ikari. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on it in just one second. So we talked about Tokyo 2 and Tokyo 3. Tokyo 3, I believe, basically knows that there's a government organization underground that's, you know, dealing with this threat. And so the citizens there are used to being evacuated and then coming home and evacuated, coming home. It seems like, is Shinji coming from Tokyo 2? Because it seems like he traveled a decent distance to get here and he knows nothing about what's going on. I don't know if it's Tokyo 2, but it's definitely away. Like he's been, he's been kept away and now has been called. Right. Mm -hmm. It seems Um, reasonable. I don't know for sure. Shinji is a bag for me of opinions. Um, (laughs) Like, so one, he's kind of the boring slate for the audience. I get that. And also he's the main protagonist. So he's got stuff to overcome. Um, he's got dad issues. He's only 14. So there's a lot of stuff I kind of need to hand wave as myself when it comes to the storytelling. Cause I'm like, Oh, I totally wouldn't do that. But I'm also, it's been a while since I've been 14. Uh, <laughs> um, and overall, when I look at it, I think he was written really well. What? Thumbs up and keeps going. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, I actually, you know, his, he's a bit melodramatic as far as, uh, I don't want to pilot these things, but besides that, yeah, I think great character. So I, I cut out for just a moment there. So I apologize if I say anything Jason's already said, cause I missed it, but, <laughs> um, really Shinji, uh, he was not as irritating as I thought he was going to be. I remember starting to watch, I believe it was 1.0. Um, when it first came out, because I was like, oh man, more Evangelion. I never finished the first one. <laughs> I'm going to start the next version. <laughs> this is great. Um, and so I started watching it and Shinji just irritated me really bad. And I think it was a dub version for 1.0, but I'm not sure. And I definitely watched this in sub, uh, for, for the original Neon Genesis. So I, I did then, watch it in dub. You watched it in the, uh, the, uh, Neon Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And for me, he was not nearly as whiny in the subbed Neon Genesis as he comes across in 1.0. Like he come to me, what I remember is that he was like really petulant and really whiny, really obnoxious. And so I was kind of expecting that when we started watching this. And I was thinking, man, did my tastes just change so much when I, you know, got out of my teenage years and became an adult that I look back at that now and I'm like, ah, I can't stand it. But no, the way that he came across in the sub was pretty reasonable given his age, given mm-hmm. his um, being abandoned by his dad. Um, he's got some mental baggage that he's dealing with. And none of it was extreme. None of it was ridiculous. And so, yeah, I, I'm assuming that that's uh, something you said, huh? No, no, I was just no? okay. I'm, I'm laughing because it's understatement of the year. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah he, he has mental got, baggage. Yeah. <laughs> I know mental baggage is like this anime's theme. So, <laughs> right. But, but, Mom uh, died. Dad went away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I liked him. I thought he did a great job of I thought they did a great job writing him as a character that, you know, early on tries to flee from the situation 
but then constantly repeats to himself, don't run away, don't run away, don't run away. It, it does a really good job of establishing that not only does he have these weaknesses, but he's constantly trying to overcome them. So coming of age? Yeah. No. No. I, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yes. Yes, again. I, I I think he's also a big reflection of the show's creator, and, and it, it's well known that the show creator was going through struggling with depression while he made this, and especially in the, the back half of this, and I think Shinji's a huge reflection of what he's feeling. Um, I... I I also watched it in sub. This is the first time I've ever seen Evangelion in the sub. It's actually did that just to be like, hey, let's let's mix it up a little bit. Um, but I think for all the different versions I've seen, he can change in level of abrasiveness. But I also think it's intentional. He's very unique in an anime character, especially for mecha anime during this time. He's like, I'm not the hero who jumps in and saves the day. He's the guy who's like, I don't want to get in the robot and I don't want to die. And I don't really care about any of this. And can I please just leave? It hurts. Yeah. Um, and then they wheel a, a someone who's got major brain. injuries. Like, yeah. Oh, you're going to make her do it. And yeah. I, I honestly think a lot of the people who don't get into the show, it's because of Shinji. Um, mm. But I also, he, he can't be any other way. He has to, this show works because he's this way because he's hard to like he is a pathetic character intentionally um but man he is pathetic <laughs> um and i mean <laughs> that with a lot of love uh, yeah uh, and 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 a lot of um like i i see my own a lot of self-reflection and him struggling with his self-worth I and mean, a lot of people go through that that's not unique to, to anyone but um definitely you can see reflections of that like oh man you know if if your dad's like Hey, why did you call for me now? I didn't have a use for you. Okay, well, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Shinji, Shinji is, and, and I love that this anime is like, hey, maybe putting teenagers in a giant robot isn't what we should be doing. Gundam, <laughs> right? <laughs> Very much like this is like Madoka Magica is to magical girls for what uh, mecha anime was at the time right so he works he works on that level for me but i if someone's like i can't watch it because of that character yeah i I get that that is that is 100 percent fair as far as whiny characters though i feel like he's when he at least in dub like jeremy was saying he's not particularly whiny he's just voicing his um cowardice and he doesn't do it in a way where you know tears are constantly streaming down his face or you know he's huddled in a corner or anything he's just he's protesting that he doesn't want to do the thing and i found that very much more palatable very much more i found it much more palatable uh than what we get today um even uh in demon slayer the electric kid he can get on my nerves god yeah so it's like even though he is cowardice, and you know, be written that way, it didn't feel nearly as irritating as a lot of whiny characters we get. And mm. and and I know we've we've we're we have so much anime to go, but Shinji's so deep. And I gotta, this anime is not subtle about what Shinji is doing. It has an episode where they call it out: the the hedgehog's dilemma. Mm -hmm. Hedgehog, yes. is a porcupine. Hedgehog is a porcupine's dilemma. No, it's it hedgehogs. Doesn't yeah, matter. Hedgehog. 
Anyway, something with yeah. spines. Uh, yeah, anybody with spines. Thing. Yeah. That is Shinji's character 100% through and through from beginning of this anime to all the way to the end. Not to be spoilery about it, but to the point where he is constantly, I want intimacy and not just physical intimacy, but also physical intimacy. But I just want love and affection. But also all of you get away from me. You hurt me and I don't like you and I want to be alone. And it's that he's at war with those two constant things that makes him make all the horrible decisions and make all be the pathetic character he is. And a lot of almost all the characters are going through the exact same thing, but he is the most hedgehog's dilemma in all of this. And and I, and I love when that episode comes up and they call that out. Cause it's like, Oh, thank you for just telling me straight out. This is Shinji's problem. <laughs> he is literally yeah. pushing everyone away while wishing everyone would be close. Right. <clears throat> Uh, which comes in a great scene. So he's picked up by um, uh, a beautiful young woman. One of, <laughs> when I say formative anime, this was one of my first anime waifus right here, uh, Masato. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so guys, thoughts on Masato, the commander, operations commander for the Secret Underground Network we're about to meet. So you guys, thoughts on Masato? She was written really complexly. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Nish, you just said a lot of the characters are. They, they've like even some of the side characters have complexity to them, um, which is just a testament to the writing. Anyways, enough. <laughs> Do it. All right. Uh, I liked Misato probably the best because she's trying to balance this life of I'm a middle aged woman or not. She's not near. She's not quite middle aged, but she's what? She's, she's 30. She's coming up on 30. Yeah. Um, so she, you know, she's balancing this career life that she's really good with. She wants to get revenge. She doesn't want to be like her and be with her dad because her dad was awful, but saved her life. Um, you know, and she's got, but, but at the same time, she has to be foster mom, but commander. And, trying to balance all this stuff it it was really interesting there's this uh there's an episode later where they're in this crazy moment where if they don't get this coding thing done the whole place goes up in smoke and she's in, in this little compartment with her friend going hey can you tell me more about it's like this is a girl talk time <laughs> yeah um so yeah, I, I I found her written really really well, and of course she plays her femininity off when she needs to, but then she's serious when she needs to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she's very entertaining. Um, I think one of the things I cracked up the most about is that when you're when you're introduced to her in her home where she's relaxing for the first time, the place is horrible. <laughs> it's such a mess. She is a horrible slob. And um, and when you see that that okay, so she brings Shinji into the house because she doesn't want him to live alone. So she's going to take him in under her wing, basically. But this does not this isn't free. And so like when they do their little competition to see you know rock paper scissors whatever to see who's you know, he gets like almost every single day he's responsible for like taking All care the of the chores. chores. Yeah. And then the and day so she's then, responsible, she doesn't do it. Yeah, exactly. And so from then on, like the place starts looking nice and then it's well kept and everything. But um, but that what I think what really cracks me up is that you have these these two personas of her. There's even more than two. Like she has so many facets to her. Um, she's got the the personality that is the genuine her that is the slob that doesn't care. And she's just relaxed and she's drinking and everything. But then you've got the facet of her that's like, yeah, is that all an act? Because I'm trying to make you comfortable. 
Or is it only partially an act because I'm trying to help you out, kid? You know, because she's constantly musing on on how things are affecting Shinji and what his psychology is and how to keep him because they need him to be a, you know, successful EVA pilot, right? And also because I'm sure she has some genuinely sincere, like, you know, I want I want what's best for you, kid. But um, but you've got that side of her as well. And then you've also got the facet of her that is through the lens of all the uh, the, the males in the show. Right. Like whether they're young um, middle schooler, I would say, or they call them juniors. Right. So so young 14 year old boys that are like, oh, my God, she is so hot, <laughs> you know, or, or even her coworkers who she has had relationships with in the past. Right. So she's kind of a sex symbol in that way. But then in another aspect, she is a completely professional, capable woman that is like getting promoted, dealing with crazy situations. So she's really cool because there's so many different versions of her, so many facets of her personality, and you get to see all of them. And uh, and and she's entertaining in all of them. Masato is a garbage person. Lives <laughs> in a garbage <laughs> pile. Uh, it drinks me, and I I absolutely I love that part of Masato more than any of the other parts. Um, and she's fascinating <laughs> in her own version of the hedgehog dilemma where you know she she's supposed to be shinji's motherly figure like hey come live with me i'm an older woman i will take care of you and he has to take care of her he has to do all the work and um has a hard time even respecting her and how that messes him up even more but she's still trying uh, but also doesn't really want him there she, there, there's a line in here where she's like, yeah, I didn't really want this, but I felt I had to do it. And hey, there he, there's the hedgehogs again. Um, <laughs> so, but like I said, uh, formative character for me. Uh, I love Miss Masato as much as any 14-year-old schoolboy ever did. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I did like the line that his classmates made was like hey we see the version of the sensual person that she puts on you see how she really is and that's why you don't get why we're so gaga for her and they're even jealous of him for it like you yeah. don't realize how great you have it like she's that intimate with you <laughs> all right so um after they are caught <laughs> at the edge of a nuclear explosion that was used on the angel to um, they were hoping to kill it, but all it does is is hurt it enough that it has to stop to regenerate, buying them some time. So they uh, and wrecks her car. She yeah, just got fixed. Wrecks her car, <laughs> yeah. so they like hook up the batteries and and drive to what is their headquarters. So they work for Nerve. Nerve is underneath uh, in this underground world, <laughs> basically little yeah. little underground air, uh, city underneath Tokyo Three that where they do the operations to defeat these angels. That's their whole purpose for existing. Uh, and they go there there. And this is the scene I was kind of starting to refer to earlier. Uh, she asked if Shinji has his papers and Shinji hands her the papers. And there's just this quick shot of his papers and they're all taped up. So that's amazing visual storytelling to me. It's a half a second frame that tells you Shinji got these papers, saw his dad wanted him to show up and tore them up and then said, no, I have to do what he says because I don't have self-worth <laughs> and and taped them back together and, and showed up anyway. Um, and, and without ever having to say that, I mean, we're about to see it more on display. So Shinji's, he, he encounters his father. There's the classic meme scene, uh, you know, get in the robot Shinji. And, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's like, why did you want me here? I want you here to just pilot the, the robot. 
but we get to see that even before it happens on screen in the just that piece of paper. They do arrive. And he is introduced to unit one. This is the the his mecca. It's iconic at this point. If you don't know what unit one looks like, you've never probably seen an anime in your life or or. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's you can't go into an anime store without seeing Unit One to this day. Um, so, I would like to ask you guys what you thought of both Unit One and the the Mecha in this in general, especially Jeremy, who's you know a huge Mecha guy. Uh, but Jason, obviously, we're into our, our Mechas on our own levels. So, but but Jeremy, you start us off. Okay. Um. So yeah, I love these Mecha. They are really cool. There's some really silly, like arbitrary rules that they have for them that. I actually I, I get a kick out of them. I think that it makes them more interesting and more fun. Um, and that is the the rule about like you only have five minutes if you're disconnected. So these <laughs> these are mecha that are literally tethered to a power supply. So they're running around with these cables attached to them, providing them power. And these cables frequently get cut. Now there's actually some pretty cool talk uh, about futuristic mecha and how the the power supplies that would be available for them. Even power suits, it, they wouldn't be mobile in, in the real world. So you would actually wind up with tethers like this in power suits and, and mobile suits. But then again, if you could get fusion and you could bring it down, you might not. So given the technology that they actually have, it's silly and arbitrary that they don't also have the technology to be able to power these things. But it gives them a really interesting um, restriction and, and a fun story edge to keep you in suspense. Like we have a timer now. Boom. There you go. Um, also, the fact that these things actually carry around weapons that they can drop. Now, I know that's a thing in Gundam and whatnot, but I'm more of a Battletech fan, so I'm used to weapons being built <laughs> into the mechs. And so having these these guys pick up these guns and, and carry them around and they can accidentally drop them and that can become important too, that's pretty funny, pretty cool. Um, but the fact that their melee weapon is actually like... <laughs> A, a razor knife, a box cutter, <laughs> you know, that just cracks me up so bad. Um, so, so yeah, I, I love the mechs. The design is really aesthetically pleasing. It's very cool. Good limitations. Um, great art for it. Yeah. I was really impressed with, with, with the design and also the animation, but when I saw the design, what, once once the thing pops out of the ground, you get to see a full version of it. Um, I was like, that's... Without getting into spoilers, that's no robot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Especially well, in the flashbacks. <laughs> and to, to be fair, it, even in the second episode, it, it, you see that. Like, you see an eyeball pop out. You see... Uh, right. You see fingernails. Um, it it yep. shows that card pretty early, so I think you're safe to say it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, it, I, I love the idea that in order to pilot this thing, you had to have a mental link, but it had to be a child because uh, adult limitations, it, it, they really don't explain that much why it has to be. I know. <laughs> Troy's like conveniently looking everywhere else <laughs> except that Jason. <laughs> Not going to give it away. Right. No, I, yes, I am planning on watching it. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, it, I do love that they address the power issue later when they're like, "Yeah, this robot we built has a, a 
has a nuclear power plant on its back, and of course it goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, the, the tether thing was interesting. Um, I, I, I did like that. But yeah, the, the design is flawless. It makes it look like a bunch of armored dudes instead of robots, the way they move. So, um, yeah. I always think of these as like the spider mech in, or the stinger or the wasp in Battletech. Like they, they look very similar in design to that. So that it's very nostalgic for that reason, too. Battletech nerds who just got excited. Good for you. I'm glad you found your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. I do love anime and Battletech. All three of us. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I remember the first time watching this, the mechas were one of my least favorite things about it. So I, I Robotech was one of my first things. And I, that's, I wanted a Robotech mech ship more than anything. That was like, that was my dream. And then saw this thing like, that's a monster. <laughs> I don't want to drive a monster. <laughs> that was a, a more mature anime viewer who who's reviewed a lot of things. Man, I appreciate that they are creepy looking, that they they got jaws and the mouth opens and you're like, oh, dang, that is a monster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that is such a cool thing to do. So, so unique. Um, and so I, I do like them. The only issue I have with the power cord thing, and they explain there's two modes. One gives you one minute, one gives you five minutes if you're mm -hmm. disconnected. They just always seem to be in the right mode, and I don't understand the difference <laughs> between the two modes. I'm like, I don't see what you're doing that's different from this mode, from this mode. They just seem like, hey, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's one. It depends if we're going to finish this in one or if we're going to finish this in five. <laughs> exactly. Because it does seem like when they say that they're going to use the five minute time, they still go all out like they're desperate and they're in a situation where right. they're, they're putting all of their energy toward like creating an AT field or jabbing through an AT field or something. Right. And why would you run at less than the absolute highest if it was impair, imperative that you actually win? Or when they've, oh, you can't fight underwater in configuration B. There's configurations. <laughs> I know, right? Yep. Um, There's fat seats I, for I mechs. Do, <laughs> I feel like it is thought out somewhere on paper that it works, but yeah. because I don't understand it, it just kind of feels like it's random. Like, okay, it's gonna be five minutes this time. All right. But they <laughs> establish pretty early on, limit. and they follow the rule that you know, if power cord gets cut, now they have a timer. Yes, and I do love that. That I think is very fun. That. Even though, you know, it happens almost every time, except for then in one episode, they have battery packs, which right. they immediately then have to drop. <laughs> and they still have five minutes after they drop the battery packs. Yes. So like and it didn't seem to impede their mobility very much. So why not have battery packs and then the, the power attached to the back of the battery pack so that you get a little bit extra time? Anyway, you get 10 minutes. So we're going to go back to the story. Shinji get in the robot <laughs> says his dad no I don't want to get in the robot I don't like you dad uh, fine we're going to make Ray do it now Ray we're going to talk about her later when she's more featured but when we see her now she has bandages like over her eye and her arms in a cast she's like clearly wheeled in on a gurney um, and they're like we're going to make her do it <laughs> and Shinji's like oh I feel bad about that uh, then the explosion rocks the nerve compound because all these angels they want to get to nerve and kill Nerve. 
Um, and so debris starts falling, and Unit One raises its arm and protects Shinji on its own. Um, well, so before that, Ray falls off the gurney onto the ground, and they're like, "Yeah, get her in the robot." Well, she's like on the <laughs> ground. <laughs> well, didn't she fall because of the debris? Wasn't the debris fell? Yeah, it was the and she falls. Thing. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So Shinji decides he'll do it. They do. They so they throw him in uh, Unit One and they launch it. Um, Is that that's... ever explained? Because he's only ever able to control the thing inside. Not yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Because yeah, he's able to control it from outside all of a sudden. But that's the only time they... he does it in these first thirteen episodes. They they do give you a hint. It seems like once you get to like episode twelve and thirteen. Because of the the way that they were like testing these other bodies to see about remote control, right? Um, so I, I thought that came across as like a, a little bit of a hint leading toward it. That's not it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> this is gonna be a weird one for us guys because I know <laughs> a lot of the lore. And again, I don't know how much of this lore I had to read on Wikipedia and what actually gets explained in the show. So I can't even tell you the show is going to tell you, Jason. But if you get to the end and you still don't know, I'll help. I'll, let me know. Okay. Can help you can out. fill me in. Um, I need to watch the movies first. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, no, at least get watch the end of Evangelion. If it's not explained by then, I can tell you because I know and I'm still not only midway through the movies and they haven't said anything yet. Okay. Okay. So when we say they launch him, he literally gets like on the the mecha gets on this elevator and then like shoots up these tunnels, elevator tunnels up into the city uh, and appears. Why is it not the... straight up? Why does it take a like? I know, it's like that's so <laughs> it depends where they want you to go you, from one spot. You can send him like in 10 different directions. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought it was like one spot. Yeah, yeah they don't out, like they this... don't really outline that very well because they don't show the lane changing they just show that like this is the lane yeah you always see and you see it on the graph like okay here's the okay, he's gonna yeah. go um yeah so that's so they can pick and choose where he pops up and mm. also they can like like if he moves the fight over to the other side of the town then they can then shoot a gun up to him on that side of the town now they made they, it pretty, pretty clear that they haven't shown up in what 15 years yeah so this yes. is the first one they've seen in 15 years but this is the third angel if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so they got... on, a, on a technical level of all the angels that the world has seen, this is number yeah. three. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, the episode ends with him like getting ready to fight. And then the next episode starts and he's just demolished. Like he takes to take a step and he falls down and the angel just rushes him and is just mauling. He's, takes he's... his arm off. He's got like this jack hand, a uh, jackhammer hand. Mm-hmm. Where you see this like rod come out of his elbow and then just slam through his hand into the, the his skull. It, it, it was really visceral. Yep. Uh, yep. Th- the thing about piloting Ava's, uh, which is what they call these, um, you feel it. <laughs> you are you are your brain is literally connected to the nerves of the robot. So when the arm comes off, Shinji feels that when the spike goes through the eye, he feels like his eye has been impaled. Um, but the pilot then, itself physically is like down lower, like near the neck, right? Yes. They're in, it seems like yeah, he's right. like even below the collarbone. Right. Well, so, yeah. so destroying the head would not kill the pilot, right? No, no. Right. Mm-mm. Uh, 
Uh, they do say one time that I think he gets shot in the chest, and they're like, we're just lucky it missed the plug, which is, so I think it's like about yeah, that's, the chest. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, the scene ends, and then we just see Shinji wake up in the hospital. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everyone's talking about, hey, the angels are back, and, and that fight happened. Um, he eventually recovers in the hospital. Masato picks him up. Um, and they see his father in the hospital who doesn't say a word to him. They just walk by. And so Masato decides, hey, come and live with me. They go and get supplies and they hear people talking about the 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 Ava battle, the, the angel. Um, and then they go to her house. We see the dump that she lives in because of her. Not like she lives in. A, she lives in a fine apartment, but uh, she she hasn't unpacked. Her, her underwear is <laughs> hanging everywhere. Underwear hanging everywhere is a huge theme uh, in this show, too. Uh, we get them having a fancy dinner, which is TV dinners in Masato's world, because, hey, they're just as good, and drinking beer, which is all she has. And then we also get to, when Shinji goes to take a bath, he meets Pen Pen, the greatest penguin of all time in anime history. What's I the point of it. this penguin? What is the point of him? Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I genuinely can't figure it out. Like, I don't see anywhere that maybe it happens later, but I don't see anywhere that he's made a a difference whatsoever in the first 13 episodes. (laughs) Like, no, no, he, no, he's, he's like, he's like the, the cat and Trigun. He doesn't have a point. He's just a mascot that you inserted into the anime. Nineties anime did that. (laughs) They would just have, we need a mascot. Penguin. Like, Huh? Just a penguin though, like with carrying a backpack. Like it just—it seems like there should be something there. And he you lives know? in like a, a fridge. He's a hyper intelligent penguin. <laughs> but that's the thing—the hyper intelligence. That means he's got to be important. There's got to be something interesting no. that he does, right? No. no. Um, and don't you dare say a bad word about Pen Pen. <laughs> 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 uh, also, there's a great bit. It's the Austin Powers bit before Austin Powers did it. <laughs> with the beer can and then she takes the beer can away and there's a smaller can blocking his uh yes private areas uh, yes in the in the new movies they do that again but with asuka and it's a pile of beer cans they take away the top one and it's a straw across her chest <laughs> so uh, well done um that night though well actually before we go to the night there's an important scene there's this She's thinking about like, hey, I have him here, but I don't really want him here, which I thought was really important um, for what's going on. But that night he does start getting memories of the battle back, which shows that the Avas just went berserk, uh, opened its mouth, tore the angel apart, chomped down on it, regrew its own arm, um, had fingernails. And and destroyed the the core. So the angels have a red center, and, and they're they can heal from anything as long as that is intact. Um, but the Ava literally beat it open with his hands, its own this... rib. It like tears off its rib and uses its rib to crack <laughs> yeah. open the core. Yeah, and then it self destructs. This the the idea of having like that central node is so common in anime. It is, I don't know, it's kind of ridiculous now, like blue spot. gender. Yeah, I know. It's the weak spot for games. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, this was old enough to where I, I don't have a complaint as far as it's doing it. But I, I definitely I definitely like when anime veer away from this trope. What if, though, and I say this 
this isn't a spoiler. This is actually just kind of a random theory popping into my head. Um, what what if you don't think of the angel as the whole being, but that red mm-hmm. orb as the the angel and everything else? It's it's mech. Huh. That would explain oh, why they're like a pilot. Right. Oh. Because I've been thinking about that. Like, why are they different? And I don't know the answer. And it probably exists, to be fair. But I don't know it. Um, so that that to me kind of works out that they all are all the same. They're just a red circle. That's the person. Or, and everything else is just their their version of a mech, whatever they are. That's definitely interesting. It yeah, like It that. still doesn't change the weak point thing but, but no. it at least gives it a sense here but isn't that true for all mecha though that if you kill the the cockpit is always going to be a weak spot yeah but like i see it a lot in in other anime like blue gender is one yeah. where it's just giant bugs and you've got like these little brain circles yeah. <laughs> it's the same exact thing but it's That's a true. synapse it is so, a trope yeah that. all right um on forward we see shinji's going to school he's doing uh ava training we see him firing a gun and like not like hey i'm firing a gun of a giant robot he's like fire aim fire like he's depressed about it he is and we hear masala talking about how he he gave him a cell phone he doesn't get any calls his face looked like he was starved when he said it too Mm -hmm. like they were really depicting this sort of like beyond destroyed character like he'd given up everything at this point mentally to just decide to do this he just gave up it's crazy so we meet uh two new characters um who we're not going to discuss but they are they end up becoming Shinji's friends but it's it's Kensuke who's a kid with a camera who loves military stuff and he he always walks around recording stuff and then his best friend Toji and Toji is super upset because his little sister got hurt in the angel battle and so he's really mad at the Ava pilot for being so unprofessional and letting people get hurt, especially his little sister. And then Shinji lets it be known. And people are kind of putting it together. And he admits, yeah, I'm the Ava pilot because he'd been told people are going to be proud of you. People are going to be happy you did this. And so he tells everyone and the girls are like, oh, my God, it's the Ava pilot. Oh, my God. Uh, but this Toji guy punches him. He's like, yeah, that's for my little sister. You suck. And then Shinji's like, I, I didn't even want to do this. Why am I doing this for? Um, he another so he punches angel, him again. <laughs> yeah, he gets punched again. Another angel appears. Shinji is is called out to fight him once uh, again, <laughs> which, which is a theme for almost every episode. Hey, angel appeared. Shinji, go do the thing. Mm-hmm. These two boys sneak out of the security shelter to go because the the camera when uh, Kensuke wants to see it. Uh, Shinji, who's doing poorly in the fight. <laughs> He gets the he gets thrown by the angel and the Ava almost lands on top of these boys. And then he's having to protect them as his power is running down because the cord got cut. Like it always says. As I do. Uh, Masato tells him, get the boys inside the Ava and then retreat. Pause. Yep. This really confused me because when he's first introduced to the Ava, there's this oxygenated liquid that has to go in. And he has to breathe it. And then like it kind of it doesn't El- dissipate, but it's like his vision like goes away. And then these boys hop in. What? Yeah. So it's LCL. And that is very important to the lore of of Evangelion. 
uh, they it shows them struggle with it when they get in for a second. They're like, oh, God, oh, God. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, we're fine. He's fine. It did? Yeah. I missed the uh, It's very quick. It was for me, it was just audio. But the part I have trouble with is how did they get in without the liquid coming out? The only door I've ever seen them get in and out of is the big door. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't this spill everywhere? I thought it did. That's what I would expect. It refills. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> inside the... Uh, LCL is important, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I can't tell you why. I can't tell you we'll where the LCL that one. Yeah, uh, it actually might be a whole. I don't. I don't actually know where the LCL comes from. From what I know about LCL, I don't think it's as big as a hole as you might think it is. But mm. we'll just leave that for now. So filling the tubes with the LCL is super important to piloting these things. Yes, that is literally. It's the that's the chemical that makes them connect to the the the, the suits they wear help, but you don't need them. Uh, the head things they put on that helps a lot more. You don't need them. You need the liquid. Okay. Uh, Shinji attacks the thing with, with uh, the knife, and, and does manage to kill it, even though he was ordered to retreat. Um, and oh, then... yeah, and he gets like three holes through his chest cavity, which he feels in front of these two boys. He's just screaming. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The important thing is they like they see, oh, my gosh, look what this 14-year-old this kid has to go through to protect our yeah. city. And I punched him <laughs> for it. Um, and, and and actually, Shinji starts going to school, and, and they show that Toji's trying to call him and, and check on him, and no one's answering. And his sister got super pissed. Like, you punched <laughs> him? You got schooled the one by that ended up sister. in the hospital. Yeah. As a result of this, Shinji, uh, he's been skipping school, and Masada goes to check on him, and his room is empty, and he has run away. And this, so this is the, the Shinji runs away episode. And he travels like cool with it. This is the only episode that the main writer didn't write on. That's interesting. Because there's some there's some shots in this that I think or at least one that I I found super interesting. Um, But there's him riding on the train, by the way, on the Netflix version. No longer playing classical music on the cassette tape. And that bugs me a whole lot. It sounded like background movie theme music um almost like i stepped into an elevator yeah mm-hmm. it's supposed to be classical as was always classical as far as i knew uh, you are so, so upset it, it, it bothers <laughs> me because that's a, it's important that's his that's his i don't care about the world <laughs> i'm blocking out the world and, and so that that tape recorder i mean it's featured in every episode with huge close-ups about what track is he's on and how often he listens to it and then they change the music. Yep. And it's not Netflix like, hey, we just didn't like the song. It's a rights thing. I get that. And this is, you know, Evangelion wasn't available to watch for so long. <laughs> we we live in a time where it's now on Amazon Prime and Netflix in different forms. And, and so we're lucky because, like, no one was allowed to have the rights to it for so long, for so long. So the music is like copyrighted. They can't play that music in it. Yeah, same with "Fly Me to the Moon." Huh. And I, huh. and I know like some subtitles changed. I 
don't know if it's a redub or not. I think it is, but I'm not sure. Someone else might have to fill that dubs in. Dubs really well it. done, so I assume it is. Because <laughs> usually anime from that time, the dubs were not great. But it's not right. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I didn't watch the dub is because having, like, the voice of Masato is the voice of Masato, and I don't want to hear another voice coming out of Masato, so I might as well switch to another language so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, the scene I want to talk about, so he's on a train, he rides it for hours, uh, gets off in the city, he's walking around. I think he's in Tokyo, too, at this point. Um, but he goes to a movie theater, and it shows, like, his face. He's just blank. He's not watching the movie. He's just in his own world. And then there's this young couple that starts making out couple of seats ahead of him and like you just see like life spring into his eyes and he's just fascinated by them and then then he goes off back to to wander as any 14 year old boy would be <laughs> right <laughs> and it's again that that desire for intimacy it yeah. it's silly to say hey shinji's horny but he he is and that's really important to a 14 year old because you're hit you're hitting yeah. the age where suddenly these feelings are overwhelming you and you they weren't there before and you don't know what to do right. with them and that's a huge part of shinji's character um that mm-hmm. i that I love that it's there because there's not many things that address that time. I thought they handled it really gracefully too. Like there's a scene coming up with Asuka that, that most anime will never even go that far. Like they'll play with the fan service and everything, but they won't have the character make a pivotal decision like that. The scene Jeremy's talking about with Asuka is not the scene <laughs> with Asuka that comes much later for those who know. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So the sub scene. <laughs> anyway, <anyways>, moving on. <laughs> End of Evangelion is wild. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, eventually, he actually runs into Kensuke. They they who camps out in the wilderness from time to time playing soldier. And so they they spend he spends the night in the tent with them, and then the next morning nerve agents are there and they take him back, and he quits nerve. He tells his dad, "I, I don't want to do this. I don't care." Um, and he gets kicked out, and the agents take him to the train station where Toji and, and Kensuke are waiting for him. And Toji's like, "You got to punch me, man. I, I got I won't feel better till you punch me." So he gets punched, and then Shinji is about to get on the train and. Misato has realized, you know, I don't think I've handled this well. <laughs> and she she kind of finally understands what how he's feeling, and she rushes off to get him. Doesn't make it in time, but when the train pulls away, he's still there. And they stare at each other for a very long time. Yeah, they drug that out big time. Yes. I, I did love that, like, as he was going to punch the the other kid, he's like, hold up, hold up. You didn't wind up, and I can tell that's not a full punch. I want a full yeah. punch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hit me like a man. <laughs> yep. I do like the like we're not going into their characters. That nothing really happens with them in in this half, but I do like the Toji character. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're a good uh, addition to the cast. Mm-hmm. Now it is time to discuss Ray because we're coming to her episode uh, and we, could, we start with a flashback to 22 days ago. They're testing unit zero, her, her Ava, and it goes berserk and tries attacking Ikari. They have to eject her pod. Um, and, and Ikari Shinji's dad, like literally grabs the pod door with his bare hands, burning them and, and, and forces the door open to get her out because he cares about her so much and his glasses break. And, and she, we find out she's kept those glasses 
So your guys' thoughts on the first child, Ray Ayanami. She's kind of Shinji's mirror, but in a different way. Um, she doesn't particularly run away from her despair. She is despair. Uh, <laughs> um, I like... I like the character, but I like I feel for her. Like every time I see her in a scene, I'm like, oh, she just wants to be a four. She like there used to be a girl there that just wants to be a 14 year old girl, and now she's just this hardened stone of an emotion. And talk about not letting people in or close. Yeah, this again another really complex character that uh, we don't really get a good view into until a little later but so i ran across a little tidbit of information about her that kind of spoiled me on her entire story so i can't oh no but what i can say i will say about my opinion before i ran into that tidbit of information and that is that she felt very empty to me um and she felt like inhuman because the things she did and the way she acted were not they didn't fit with anything that I would expect from a human uh, speaking especially of like a particular encounter scene where she winds up naked she's so completely dead to the entire thing not even a fraction of like embarrassment and later you could impugn or assume that maybe she was <laughs> a little bit irritated about it simply because of their interactions but there's just as much room to assume that she's not and that she really did genuinely didn't care. And she operates only on a structure of orders. And so to me, it was very interesting, but, but she felt empty. Um, that's all I can say about that one. Yeah. A, a very blank slate. I think that's always been my feeling about her. <clears throat> she's fascinating as a mystery and enigma. What is going on with her? Um, as far as the the whole hedgehog dilemma theme, I do find her interesting in that her her way of keeping everyone separate is no one cares about me, so I won't care about anyone. I just don't care about anything. Um, and that's how she avoids pain. If I don't care about anything, then I can't be upset about anything. And we see in these episodes, she... Nope. Nope, that would be in the movie. Stop, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh yeah. So I can't say that. Um I like Ayanami. She's fun. <laughs> Bray, farthest thing from fun, man. Uh I will say we're gonna come to it anyway, but it actually well let's let's do the scene and then we'll say it. Hmm. Uh we get a quick thing that hey, the angels have basically human dna it's slightly different but it's basically human dna it's almost identical because they're studying the carcass don't worry about uh, it yeah <laughs> uh then we get boys leering at girls in swimsuits at school and shinji's staring at ray because he's like what's going on with ray i don't understand and her has a changing room with a huge window next to it i know <laughs> that the boys all can see into that's so Japan. crazy <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> Eventually, uh, at a dinner, uh, Shinji is given Ray's access card to give to her because uh, they go to the same school. He stops by her apartment to give it to her. And 
no one answers. So he goes inside. He sees his father's glasses and he puts them on. She comes out of the shower. This, this is the this scene. Um, mm-hmm. It's infamous. He she takes the glasses off of him. He he flips out and falls on her hand on breast nakedness, panties flying everywhere. She's mm-hmm. like, hey, can, can you just get off? He's super flushed and embarrassed. I love the shot. It, not it, to be pervy, but the shot of his hand is still in that shape. Because, again, he's a 14-year-old boy who's mm-hmm. rediscovering, you know, oh, my God, this is the <laughs> biggest moment of his entire life. And I love yeah. that the anime takes the time to mention that. Uh, well, what I what's wanted... so weird about it is that it takes a really long time. Like, they're they're in that pose, and all you see is him. Like, it's not... It's not too pervy in that way, but you just see him, but they don't move for a really long time. And that stretching the scene out like that creates it it elevates the awkwardness to something that is far more than you would expect from just like a quick. Oh, this is a comedic beat that most anime do. It is not a comedic beat here. This is not uh, actually exactly what I was going to come to is there is not a version of this series anime that I've watched that doesn't have this scene. The scene is important to understanding both Ray and Shinji and who they are and their connection. Um, it is, it has always been featured and I, it's not a comedy bit. Like it would be in every other anime. It yeah. is, Hey, these characters, how they handle the situation is very important. Please pay attention. Mm-hmm. Now, I think what I liked was that this is a very tropey thing for a lot of animes to do. Um, but I didn't walk away from this feeling fan servicey or sexualized. And I thought that was impressive that they were like, you know, hey, these two have problems. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it should be noted, Evangelion <clears throat> proudly wears its fan service on its sleeve. And at the ending of every preview for the next episode, Masato says, and more fan service. Um, it's like a promise between the, the show creators and the audience. Like, we're <laughs> we're bringing fan service. So deal with it. Uh, I don't know if that would fly today, but I don't think they say right. it in like the movies anymore for the previews. But it was I, it, that has always stuck in my mind is Masato telling me and fan service in the next episode. <laughs> OK, <laughs> next episode. The thing is, like, there is quite a few scenes with these younger kids mm-hmm. not dressed. And. It's interesting. I don't know if it's just my age or whatever, but like the majority of them, I they didn't play it off for a comedic, sexy scene. It's like either clinical or very matter of fact, or like this scene where it's like we're trying to tell you that these two have no idea how to connect uh, in- intimately at all. There's a little bit of comedy scenes, but I mean, otherwise, I completely agree with you on the other fronts. Like, there's one comedy scene, like you were talking about earlier, with the beer covering Shinji when he pops out. And there's 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 another comedy scene later with Asuka where she's like got her cleavage out when she's yelling at him and not cross the boundary into their room, into her room. So there's a, there's a couple of little ones, but but they didn't like. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's not fan service when Shinji's doing that. Um, but when, uh, when Asuka was doing that, I know 14 year old me would have thought of that as, as good fan service. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is because like we harp on the sexualization of children a lot mm-hmm. and like, that's a big turnoff for a lot of us and mm-hmm. like a hard stop. No, for, you know, some of us and like, 
I'm I'm trying to objectively pull myself away from how much I enjoyed this anime and look at it like, oh, we've got the potential sexualization of children. And that's why I wanted to make that point is like I pulled away from this and I didn't feel the there. Uh, again, I've only watched the first 13 episodes, but I didn't feel there was any adult sexualization of the children. Mm-hmm. And as far as them, like a lot. Yeah, like I said, a lot of the scenes, even though they are drawn naked, like there's no it, it, it was very it was either very clinical or very matter of fact. I kind of disagree. I oh. do think all the fan service has a purpose behind it. It's never just like the, the scene you're in Os, Asuka yelling, bending over to yell at Shinji, but you see a lot of cleavage there. I think it's having its cake and eating it too. I think it was a bit of a different time. And I also have to, when I watched this, I wasn't fully getting they were 14, but also I was pretty young. And so mm-hmm. it didn't bother me at all. Now I'm 35. <laughs> And I'm watching the same girls that I used to love seeing fan service of, <laughs> but they didn't change age. Only I did. I got older and, yeah. and they're still 14. Now it's, it's, it's much weirder, especially because I have memories of being like, Oh, I love this scene. Cause I am a young, yeah. I, very much in Shinji's, but, but that's also what Shinji's going through is that he's seeing these things that aren't appropriate for him to like be going Gaga over, but he is because he's young and he's warm blooded and it's happening to him at that time in his life. So I think it serves a purpose, but I do think it's also for the audience. Hey, here's some fun things to look at. I do think it it's doing both. In my opinion. <laughs> so then I guess then the bears the question for our conversations in the past. How does that make you feel? Look at trying to pull away from yourself objectively looking at it now. That I wish they were at least 16 instead of 14. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> they're they're yeah. drawn more like 16 year olds than 14 year olds, in my opinion. Very Especially true. the girls. Yeah. If you didn't tell me the age, I would definitely think that they were 16, maybe even a little older than that. Hmm. Even though Masato was always my preference anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Now I feel creepy. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay. (laughs) Jason. Uh, Another important scene. uh, uh, Shinji insults his father and Ray slaps him. And then an angel appears. And so they they have to fight this angel. Um, Basically... This angel fires super high beams and is drilling down. And when Shinji fights it the first time, he gets shot right in the chest and sent straight to the hospital. Like they literally pop him out. He gets hit and they pop him back down because the the angel knew where he was going to pop out of. Piccolo said dodge. He didn't dodge. Exactly. (laughs) They got to attack this angel from far away and they're only going to get one hit at it because it it attacks anything that hits it and destroys anything that hits it. So... um, while Shinji's recovering, they come up with basically, hey, we're stealing this hyper rifle, sniper rifle, giant thing from this research department. We're oh, going to steal all She's the like, power yeah, in Japan to, to load it. <laughs> and then when Shinji wakes up, Ray tells him what the plan is, that they're going to fire this giant sniper rifle. And he's like, I, I don't want to pilot anymore. I got hurt so bad. I don't ever want to do that. She's like, fine, I'll do it. And again, he's like, no, I can't can't let that happen so they do it and she tells him the reason she 
uh, piles Ava is because it gives her a connection to people. Otherwise, she just doesn't have any purpose. And so that's why she connects. And she says goodbye. She's going to hold the shield to block any return fire while he fires the sniper rifle. They do the plan. They empty all the electricity in Japan into the gun. He fires. The monster fires back at him at the same time. They both miss. Uh, The angel fires again. Ray blocks it. Shinji has to take time to reload the fuse. Shoots it. Kills the angel. And then he rushes down and pulls open the pod uh, for Ray, just like his father did, and checks on her. And then does the greatest thing a guy can do for a woman and tells her to smile. <laughs> I know, I loved that. Uh, I was like, oh man, that that did not that, age well. That didn't age well at all. <laughs> but to be fair, she asks him, "Well, what should I do?" Yeah. And you know, yeah. smiling does release the proper hormones and the proper, oh you know, goodness. it makes you happier. So you know, she needed a happy boost at the time. He, the conversation really is like, hey, don't say goodbye. Don't don't like just be ready to die. Try to fight for to live for tomorrow. You know, I, you matter to me, and that's obviously has an impact on her. The very same impact that her, his father, who's the only person she cares about. Uh, had when he tried to save her. Basically, if you show that you care about Ray, she cares about you, and only two people in the whole world have ever done this. Because mm-hmm. you have to do it this way. You got to open the door <laughs> to her, <laughs> her drill pod thing. <laughs> All right. Um... Oh, and her her unit zero gets absolutely annihilated. Yeah, that thing's beat up bad. Yeah. Yes. The next episode is uh, it's basically a Masato episode. Shinji's very frustrated with her sloppiness and everyone's like always gaga over her. Uh, <laughs> but then she goes off to this conference where the U.N., who is officially in charge of the world now, the U.N. has become the world leader ever since most of the world flooded and died. Um, the U.N. gets to be in charge. And they're like, hey, we, we have our own robot. We don't need those stupid mechas that need to be plugged in. And you can't even control them half the time. Look at that one. It's got freaking teeth and, and blood. And what is what is going on? We built our own robot. It's got a nuclear reactor inside of it. And then it starts walking and then they can't control it. And the nuclear reactor is going to go off. So Masato does the, the, you know, I'll, I'll be the one to stop it, even though it's not my problem. And she gets Shinji and unit one to help her. She does it, but it doesn't work. She can't, the password doesn't work and she can't do it. But suddenly the last second, everything just turns off and everything's a okay. Um, and she's like, I mean, wait, this, this was an inside job. And in these first scene, first thirteen episodes, we have no idea. Like we'd never yeah, come back to this moment. Yeah, I mean, we can theorize about it, but there's certainly nothing concrete. Well, we then see Ritsoko, the scientist lady, reporting back to Akari that everything went as planned, except for Masato getting That's true. involved. She did say that. Yeah. So no, they yes. were definitely sabotaging. <laughs> oh, she didn't. Need... That was ah, that's sabotage. great. Yeah, she n- did nerve... say that. Nerve set that all up to <laughs> to get rid of it. Okay, as far as the mech design for this thing, this cracked me up. Like, the control rods for the nuclear reactor were so long. It was incredible. And She's like, got, like, five thing... seconds, and she's shoving one in that's not moving, yeah. and I'm like, that is that is a bad plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, how is that thing supposed to fight? I mean, it looks like its movements are going to be super, super slow because of the giant fusion thing on the back. I don't know. It, it cracked me up. I think they were just happy it walked. Like at that I point, know. like that's how we far gotta take be- them seriously now. The tech- it's like in Iron Man two when they're like having the suits that can barely fly, and they're like, "Hey, we're doing good." And Iron Man's like, uh, "My suit can now do nanobots, so whatever." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um. 
yeah, next episode, we get to meet uh, a fan favorite. My daughter's least favorite character, by the way. She wanted me to make sure everyone knows that she hates this character. And I'm like, this, this is my favorite character. It is and, okay to be wrong. <laughs> and, and Jeremy, your favorite character, too. So Absolutely. We meet the Japanese-German, currently living in America, Asuka. What do you think of her? <laughs> I think she is an awesome character. So up to this point, we've had um, Masato. I can never remember her name. Masato. Masato. We've had Masato for spunk and energy, and we've had his friends. But as far as like main characters that we see a lot that are protagonists in the limelight at the center of the stories, we really only have Misato as the spunk and the life and the energy. Shinji's a downer. He's got no spunk, no energy. Ray is a downer. The dad is a downer. The, the other captain guy is a downer. Everybody else is a, is a downer. It's so boring as far as like their personalities go. They just add so much so much gravitas and everything to it, right? And then you get Asuka. And she is nothing but spunk and brattiness and energy. And I love it. I, it is so entertaining. It adds a, a splash of color to this that it really needed. And I think that's why she's so red. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is so much color to her and her Eva. Um, so, yeah, I love her personality. She cracks me up. Um, she is not the, the tough. I mean, she's a Sundere, right? Right. So, but I don't know. I always love those. They're funny. I <laughs> uh, guess I'm wrong uh, because <laughs> I I couldn't stand this character either. Uh, oh my goodness! She's a maniacal, egotistical sociopath that craves attention beyond anything. Yes. Um, just it, yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> can't stand this character. She has to insult everyone around her at all times so that she feels better about herself. And, yes. But if you're not looking at her and paying attention to her, then that's a problem as well. Yes. So hedgehog's dilemma. <laughs> no, no, no. I like that she fits into the story of these three pilots in a different way, but still has the same issue. I get that. And I like that. Still couldn't stand her. Hmm. I agree with everything Jason said, but that's why I love yeah. her. <laughs> like, yeah, same. <laughs> she, she is a horrible person. She is the worst. And I love every second she brings into the anime. <laughs> um, it, it's the, it's a, <clears throat> no one's a good person in this. There's no one like that I can associate with. Like, that's the kind of person I want to be. So I guess I just found the worst of them <laughs> to be the most fun and <laughs> enjoy her. Plus, like it constantly backfires on her. She's constantly like, I'm the best. And then Shinji's suddenly stronger and better than her. Um, and she has to deal with that fallout. I also Same thing have... happens with her and Ray where, yes. <laughs> where Ray dances better. Yeah. It, it's, she, it's not like they let her get away with it. She's constantly getting her own come up. It's, it's definitely a flawed character, but it is a very well flawed character. And there is, later reason for it but even without that even in these 13 episodes i agree 100 actually with both of you you both are 100 right and that's why i love the character yeah she i was brings, standing in a line light. with my standing in line with my date and for a roller coaster i left because it was boring what a douche <laughs> okay <laughs> we we also Great. do meet the character kaji who i a uh, uh, little little tiny spoiler for the movies much less rapey there um oh really i, I was actually surprised i was like man this is a this did not this character did not age well 
because I used to really like Kaji. Uh, in the in the the movie, he's he's like, "Hey kids, come see what an ocean's supposed to look like." And let me tell you about planting watermelons and like ha- most of the raping this stuff is God. <laughs> and I'm like, "Huh? They 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 figured out that 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 didn't work <laughs> in current times with Kaji." Uh, so that's that's all I have to say about him. Well, the the people that he was intimate with. I mean, not only did he have previous, not not to say that what he did was right, it was all wrong, but they went to college together. He used to be super intimate with Misato. So, um, again, not to hand wave it away, but that yeah, there's some intimate intimacy there, or at least history there that would think that he he would think that oh, this is okay, but definitely not for <laughs> yeah. professionals. Let me tell you that. Yeah, I think one of the things that always cracks me up is that these characters, as we've already talked about with the young, with the kids, they're all flawed. Masato is flawed. This guy's flawed too. And flaws are not meant to be things that we look at in society and go, this is a good thing. They're meant to be things that we look at in society and go, this shouldn't age well because it shouldn't have been okay at the time. But this is that character. And if we take that away, then we're sterilizing this character and you lose the flaws. And Who's the... um? Who's the blonde scientist? I forget her name. Uh, I actually put her in the notes to talk about, it, even though I didn't plan to talk about her just for that very reason. I always forget her name. It's R- yeah. Ritsoko. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Kaji, like, wraps his arms around around her, and she's just like, uh, she doesn't even react. She's yeah. just like, oh, what What are you, are you hitting on me? Come on, go away. But no, then later no. they're dating. <laughs> no, no, that that is not what happened there. He puts his arms around her, and she's like, oh, like, yeah, like, uh-huh. instantly flirting with him but both are doing that because they know Masada's watching right. That, right that scene is still in the movie and i think that scene works very well because it's really just both of them being like let's mess with our old friend but yeah and that was my point is like up? yeah they're they're all friends right so i don't think so but only because i know who Soko's in love with and so i don't see why she would date kaji I think Unless they're she's just made it clear she she wants nothing to do with him. Yeah, I, I think they're close friends and they like the, that scene of the hugging is, is just to mess with Masato. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're intimate. But I'm I'm not I don't fully remember, to be honest. Mm. I thought because the only reason I thought that was because when they showed up the uh, at the little party thing, they came together and they were like making a fuss of it and everything. So I thought but that could have just been to mess with Masato, too. Right. It, it, it could be both or or. It, like I said, I thought it was to mess with Masada, but I could see how mm-hmm. it, it could be dating. So I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. All right. Another angel appears while they're out on these boats. Uh, so Shinji Weird. and Asuka have to. <laughs> she forces him into her her unit. And <laughs> <laughs> and they they end up fighting it together. Uh, meanwhile, Kaji runs away from the battle because he has something special for Ikari and he. Uh, they defeat the angel. That doesn't really matter, even though it's. I do think it's one of the cooler fights, but not really important. What matters is he shows up at Akari's office with the case that the angel was going after. That's why the angel didn't go after uh, no nerve. Gosh, like they usually do. They're going after this case. He opens up the case and it's Adam, and it's a little embryo, some kind of weird alien embryo thing. Kinda weird alien embryo thing. I love this episode because we have two pilots in a mech fighting a monster out at sea. Darling I, and the Franks. I 
I love the scene where the the canvas that was covering the the Eva is used like a shroud. It like it's cool. so cool, <laughs> right? Yeah. I love that but shot. I was like, what is this Pacific Rim? <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. If you don't yeah. think that some of Pacific Rim is from e- Evangelion, then Probably. I'll take whatever you're smoking. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's no way Del Toro wasn't like, I love Evangelion. <laughs> yeah. What cracked me up was how like. Asuka forced him into the the um, into the EVA pilot thing, the pod. But then the whole time, instead of actually piloting, she's yelling at him about how close their proximity is. <laughs> like she's a terrible pilot. She's hey, a great pilot. Dilemma. But I know, I know. But like, she, <laughs> oh, it's hysterical. It's just really funny to me. Um, but but yeah, I was also even though I haven't seen Darlin' in the Franks, I heard the reputation, and so I was cracking up because I was like, she kept making jokes that were pointing towards that. Uh, th- these next couple episodes are kind of just they're almost filler and, and I can say that because having seen both like OVAs and, and movies these stuff these fights are usually skipped these angels are usually missed but this episode is one of my favorites but it's the one where uh, Shinji and Asuka have to fight an angel at the same time she cuts it in half and it splits into two which is its ability and it, it wrecks them and embarrasses them uh, they, and they're <laughs> sticking out of the yeah. yep nerve is all nerve is pissed off at them and so they come up with this plan that when because they hey if they lose to an angel they just nuke it and it buys them like a couple days to fight it again so the plan is they have to be choreographed in their attacks to kill both halves (laughs) at the same time and so they spend the next five days training um doing dance routines wearing the same outfit which is very embarrassing for shinji (laughs) Uh, but every time I, she, every time sequence. he's around Asuka, he's forced to wear her clothes. <laughs> it is the weirdest thing. He has to wear her pilot suit. He has to wear this dance thing. Even his friends call it out like, "You're dressed like her again. You're really yeah. weird, man." And and of course, this is when his friends find out that he's got now another girl living with him, and they're all but jealous. Uh-huh. Well, except for Toji hates Asuka, right? Because oh, she, she right. slapped the crap out of him when he saw her panties. <laughs> Yes, that was the mission for the show. <laughs> uh, they do defeat the angel. I, I just I love the whole sequence, the fight in this one. But they do end up crashing. There is a scene in this, and I think this is the scene you were referring to, Jeremy, where they're left alone for the night, and Oscar leaves the room. Like I'm gonna go sleep in my own room then, and mm-hmm. wanders in, sleep kind of sleepwalks, and goes into Shinji's bed, and he's getting ready to kiss her, and then she mm-hmm. says, "Mommy," and he goes and lays off in the corner by himself. Uh, and says she's as much a kid as I am, even though she pretends not to be. Right. So, um, so yeah, I thought this was very mature and even a bit heartwarming because, um, yeah, it's <laughs> okay. So I cut out for a minute and I lost my train of thought. So you were um, going to talk about how the, the scene where he almost kissed her, but didn't kiss her and just, just start from the beginning. Yeah. No, yeah. I completely lost it. <laughs> Fair enough. But it was a good thought, though, and um, yeah, I'll trust you about how it wasn't <laughs> yeah. creep. It wasn't creepy or or handled well or anything like that. No, it, I didn't think it was creepy because he is a fourteen-year-old boy. We've already established that he wants intimacy, and we've already established that like he's looking at Ray. He's already had like an intimate moment with Ray that was kind of awkward for him. But like you said, his hand was still cupped. And now Asuka, who is doing this, he knows they're home alone. Like, this is that moment where a 14-year-old boy is going to be like, I got to 
I got to control my libido. I got to control myself. And so for him to actually get close enough to try to kiss her felt to me like a very real thing. Like that is something that I could see happening. But for him to stop himself and actually realize and respect her in that moment that, you know, she is another human being and just a kid and not give into his hormones or whatever. That was actually really cool because, you know, one of the things that Shinji's always having to deal with is self-control. What is he always repeating to himself? Don't run away. Don't run away. Don't run away. And so in a way, that's what he's developing is like, how do I control myself? And this is just another aspect of that. So I don't know. I thought it fit his character really well. And it was it was uh, altruistic on his part. It was good to see. He did the right thing. End of Evangelion is wild, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But also the fight with this. That where they had to choreograph and everything, I have two minor complaints. Complaint number one is, how do you know and choreograph every move of this dance sequence to this song and know that that is exactly what the alien entity, the, the angel, is going to do? Um, I know you're going to say it's the Magi, supercomputer, AI. They've calculated everything and they've plotted it out to this song. And so the, this... this um, what is it What is it called where you have that little pad and you got to reach around and, and like touch different Push circles it. on the pad? That they were doing the, yeah, they, they're like doing the twister dance, right? On their separate pads to mimic each other. Like, this is supposed to reflect. Oh, well, yeah, right. Uh, and, and, and so that to me was like, okay, I, I don't know how this actually, these particular dance moves work, but it, you're probably going to also say that it, it's more of just establishing that synchronization between them. And it's not dance moves, it's just that they're going to be in sync. But they explicitly said that it's the dance moves. You're going to learn these dance moves, this dance. So that part really, I don't know, hard to suspend my disbelief, and I understand why they why they cut it. The other issue is all the moves they do with these mechs, and it's really emphasized in this dance, and yet all they're doing with their controls is like they just got these two little grips, and they slide them forward and slide them back and twist them. And like <laughs> that is just, hmm. But what I, am I going to say? You're going to say that it's all mental control because of the LCL and that they're in a harmonic state synchronized with the machines. And so when they want to move their arm, the machine's arm moves. Well, then why do they even have these stupid little hand hand things? You don't need them if they're in such a great mental state that they can do acrobatic flips and stuff. Like, why put that there? So I don't know. It's minor, minor complaints. But they're Jeremy complaints. They're there. They're real. I feel like I've made some compelling arguments and we can go on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, the next episode, uh, they find a unborn angel in pupil stage, larva stage, in a volcano. And they end up, Asuka volunteers to, to go capture it. And it goes badly. Uh, they, she captures it, but it breaks free and she has to fight it in the volcano. We kind of see a little bit of Masato is willing to be risky with these kids lives for the sake of defeating angels this is not the first time but just another sign of it um but she does manage to defeat it and shinji has to dive into the volcano to save her before she sinks too far now it seems like this what's at stake here is more than just defeating a singular angel because if they can bring this angel back in it's like undeveloped form it seems like they stand to gain something spectacular no, out of that hmm? 
I would think like knowledge of how to defeat them and where they come from. Yeah. I don't think they fully know. Because I wonder if she would be quite as reckless. I mean, obviously they are sending the kids out with the potential to die every time they face the angels. But this did seem like a, an extra level of recklessness on her part. And I wonder if it was just because of that. Maybe. All right. Uh, and then the next one is the big power outage. Um, the kids have to break into Nerve, and they we see Ikari physically helping to prep the Avas for battle. And Angel's coming. The power has been cut. I don't. They said it's from an outside source, but I thought the Angel was cutting the power, but I'm not sure because it came right back on after they defeated it. But it doesn't really matter. Later, they say humans are the biggest danger. Yeah, they they did say that. So and I was, that's when I was like, oh, I guess I misremembered this because I. And then later there is that one I could just be mixing the two angels up because there is one that gets into the system. Anyway, ends up being a big spider that drips acid down a hole. They have to work together yeah. and defeat it and and kill the big spider. Do there we have really... any idea what human it was that did that? Like cut their power? Uh, I don't. Point, I should at say. this point, I don't. Okay. <laughs> there is a point where another group they end up at war with them, but at this point they would be allies. So I don't think that would make sense for where we are in the story. Could be the UN trying to take back power. Yeah. After they got sabotaged themselves. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. All right. This next one matters. It's a big Masato episode. Uh, we do actually see Masato's past. She was there during second impact when Antarctica blew up and giant wings grew out of the ground. And her father sacrificed his life to save her, and she's still scarred to this day, uh, which is explained as Masato has a revenge drive to kill the angels, uh, but also a weird relationship with her father who she didn't like, but he saved her. We've kind of already touched on that. And we get a new angel who is basically dropping parts of itself (laughs) Uh, with its ATF field as bombs and is moving towards nerve. And so she comes up with this plan that the, the Avas will catch it. They'll use their ATF fields and catch it when it tries to fall on them. And, and uh, Ritsuko is like, this is a terrible plan. It will not work. And she's like, nah, it's got a chance. And I believe in the, the kids that they'll get it done. This is the literally millionth of 1%. This is zero. It's not zero. Great cat. So she she just like off intuition, she even calls it like, it's women intuition, decides where to p- place the three Ava so that they'll have the best chance of catching it because it's going to fall in a giant area. And then it does fall. And Shinji's the one. Shinji not only gets there first, he gets there first because he he's able to move faster than any of the other pilots. He's he's his synchronization is hitting new, new peaks. He's doing great. And he manages to catch it by himself. And then the uh, other two pilots come in and they they kill it and they win the battle. And then Ikari, who was off in Antarctica getting something mysterious uh, on, a, on a ship, calls and says, hey, and she's like, hey, I'm sorry, I got the Ava's damage. He's like, no, you beat an angel. That's that's literally what we're here to do. And Shinji, you did a good job. And then Shinji's like, oh, I feel good about this. <laughs> I this feel good about myself. Praise. <laughs> and then Validation. The final mm-hmm. episode is really just about the three Magi, which are the AI computers, uh, but an angel, which is basically a version of nanomachines, infects all of Nerve, gets into the computers, and 
they have a three computer system and a two it's done on democracy so if two computers decide something is okay it's okay um, and so the computers are always running numbers and then voting to see what is the correct answer uh, and it, it starts it affects one and if it gets the second one it'll be able to self-destruct the entire base uh, so so is that what the corrosion was was the the nanobots coming through the wall yes yeah okay and then it evolved into a computer why did you say uh-uh I said, uh, uh, because you're right about it being democratic up to that point, but in order to self-destruct, it has to be unanimous. Yeah, they did call that. Oh, uh, okay. And it's not democratic, it's quorum. Yeah, they literally right. call it democratic in the oh. subtitles. Well, it's a bad it's it's That's a true, too. Democratic process. <laughs> they defeat it by Ritsoko hacking in the last computer they have control of um, and explaining that, hey, this computer is basically my mom's brain uh, that she turned into computer. She designed this and then put her personality into it, which is was technology they were working on that eventually became the Avas. And, and she removes a cover that looks like a brain. It looks like a brain. I think it's <laughs> yeah. artificial. I don't think it's okay. actually her mom's brain, but it, I think... <laughs> To function like a brain functions, they had to build an artificial brain. Um, yeah, they said that it's a biocomputer, so they literally grew biological brains yeah. in there. But I mean, yeah, they did superimpose mom's personality and then onto it. At the very end, she points out, "Hey, the three computers are the three facets of my mom's personality: the woman, the scientist, and the mother." And it was the woman that we used to hack <laughs> and win. <laughs> <laughs> The end. Yep. And that's where this ends. Kind of not. And I think the next episode would go into a recap episode and then it goes on to the rest of the story. And that brings us to the end. A lot of these ended up being those. Like I said, you can kind of tell which ones are more important by what shows up in the OVAs and the movies later on. <laughs> and some of the angels carried over and some were like, yeah, we didn't really need that choreographed one. You guys get that they're trying to work together. Uh, so yeah. I did I get to go through those fast. But it is time for our final thoughts. On the first half of Neon Genesis Evangelion, Jeremy, your pick, your review first. So I love Mechas. Um, I really have a lot of nostalgia for this. Uh, I want to finish this series, and I, I mean that also. I want to finish like <laughs> one, two, three, and three plus one, and all that in the movies. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that there's a bit of bias here for me, but I, I really enjoyed it still. Um, five out of five for me. All right. Uh, Jason, what's your review? Um, I thoroughly enjoyed myself watching it. Um, there's definitely some story elements that I found troubling, and I I know they're probably going to be explained further on, or at least I assume some of it. <laughs> um. I really appreciated the characters. It was really good character building. Some of the sci-fi stuff was a bit janky, but you know, it was a sign of the times. Um, if I were to rate just the first 13 episodes, I have to give it a four just because there's so many loose threads uh, that I don't feel comfortable with no answers. So. I think the series deserves a five, but I think these first half are a little bit lighter and there's a little bit of fillery stuff that isn't super important. Um, there's a couple of redundant, hey, we're fighting another angel with another time we had to use teamwork to get get it done. Um, that you could probably put this at a four, a high four, but a four. 
but it definitely pays off in the end anyway, so it's fine. Even though you have to include the movie in it, which maybe, so maybe it's complicated. Guys, I love Evangelion. I'm just going to go with a four and we'll call it good. All right. Our next anime, like we mentioned, is Trigun, the first 12 episodes. So, again, a series that is well-loved and well-talked about, and we're going to dip our toe into it and just scrape off the very top. We're not even getting into the meaty part of Trigun, mm. just the, the definitely mm. the more comedic part of Trigun. But I love that part, too, so let's forget that's what we're going to do next. Uh, our mini-sode will still be about Evangelion. We're going to talk about that very final episode. These two watched it with no context. Uh, and I watched it, and honestly, there isn't any context until the movie that comes after it. So whatever. And that's our, our mini-sode. So if you have thoughts on Neon Genesis Evangelion, please feel free to reach <laughs> out on our Twitter at Baca Podcast or our website, theanimebacaclub.com, or leave a comment wherever you found the podcast, and that would be great for us so we can respond back to you. We really love all the comments we're getting. Let's go ahead and say goodbye. Thanks for listening. And there will be more fan service. Sayonara. <laughs>